no, there's another squad attacking. Welcome to the Third Party Podcast, your weekly Apex Legends podcast. I'm your host, Shay, joined by my co-host, Henry. Henry, how's it going today? It's going really well. We just had kind of a flurry of trailers, so I'm excited to chat about those and definitely starting the countdown for Season 8. You just made an absolutely fantastic joke with the snow that is absolutely dumping right outside us right now as we are recording this episode. Mad props there. Before we dive into the episode, make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Third Party Pod. Sub to our YouTube channel, The Third Party Podcast, and stop by our weekly stream, 4 to 6 p.m. PST. Sub to us if you can. If you guys get us to 1,000 subs, we're looking to do something really cool on the stream, and I think it would be a big elevation and very fun. We got a great episode, though, today. We're going to be covering a bunch of Apex news, diving deep into all Season 8 trailers, and a couple other things. Before we do any of that, though, as always, let's dive into some five-star reviews. First review coming from Third Party for Life. Great name. Great name. Five stars. This pod is really good. It has helped me be a master of the legends and I have found Pathfinder as my main. Please do a mastering the legends on him because he is good and really helps me in game. Keep up the good work. P.S. What heirloom would you get if you had the money or shards? Great question, great name. Some of these OG legends really got uh, screwed for the Mastering the Legends segment because we always do the new one, and so then we can only do one other with them. But if they'd just all been, you know, released separately or something, then Pathfinder would have his own episode. For sure. I think that Pathy and Wraith are definitely on the short list, Mm -hmm. Um, but, you know, new legends are always coming out. So Mm -hmm. I think that's definitely an approachable goal. how about what heirloom, though? Heirloom. have to go with the Gibraltar heirloom right yep. now. It's kind of my vein. Uh, but yeah. I, that'd be tough. If I, I have the Wraith one, if I was to get another one, I I started playing more on PC, playing some mouse and key, just trying to do something fresh and figure it out. And I've been playing like predominantly Lifeline on there. So maybe that's what I would do. I don't know. They're all so great, though. I, I It'd be hard to choose if I got one, if I was fortunate enough to do another one. It's hard choices, especially if you don't have a main. Yeah, then exactly. what do you do? Next review coming from Kabalama. Great podcast and community. I am a day one player and have become so addicted to this game that I would inject Apex straight into my veins if I could. With that being said, I often get a craving for Apex while at work, at the gym, or just during daily life. I've listened to just about every podcast out there, but third-party podcast is the best. I also wanted to give a shout-out to a player in the Discord community by the name of Tommy Toe Tags. I went to Discord for a player to play ranked with, and he answered the call while being a Diamond 3 player and didn't miss my request just because I was platinum at the time. Thanks, man. I this love is what it. I'm talking about. Yes. Awesome. So glad that you enjoy the show. Big Apex fan, but I think that just speaks uh, pretty highly to what we've been able to gather together on Discord. Mm-hmm. And I, I think there's a lot of really great people there that would be happy to play with any listener. And it's nice to get that reaffirmed. Definitely. The Discord's fantastic right now. Last review for today, coming from Long Miles. Five stars. Amazing podcast. Guys, please do more. By the way, I just bought Revenant, and I kind of regret it. Also, you helped me get to Bronze 1, to Diamond. Thank you so much. Keep doing what you're doing. I feel that. Like, do you get the legend and then you regret it? Because now that I'm starting from scratch, if I'm playing a little bit more on this PC, I have no idea who to choose. And I know I'm going to unlock someone and then immediately wish I had someone else. Like, it's a problem. It is a problem. 
Uh, I think back in season five, early on with the podcast, we tried to give people some like tips on mm-hmm. how to choose that. But holy cow, that's a really hard decision. Um, it's a really, incredibly really hard. difficult one. And get the champions edition. If you can splurge for it, like it will pretty much, very much be worth it. change yeah. how you play the game. Be really awesome. And the skins are great as well. And we don't, we don't really advertise you spend a ton of money on this show either. So that's coming from a very specific place. Even Henry supports that. Wow. Let's dive into the news. First piece of news, lead game designer Daniel Klein answered some questions on Reddit and we wanted to pull some interesting tidbits from this. When talking about Loba, Daniel responded to some questions, one of which was asking for Loba's bracelet to operate like Path's grapple, with the cooldown being determined by distance traveled. Daniel's response to this was, definitely could do that. Could also just shave off time in general. I think the animation pre and post could use uh, some tightening right now. Thing is, she's pretty good right now. We'll let her rest for a patch or two. Daniel also later says that traveling faster in air would be the last resort uh, for Loba. Essentially, don't expect any big Loba changes coming anytime soon. You gather anything super interesting from this? Uh, it's really nice to hear, uh, that he's saying, you know, things are on the table, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of how they can like physically change her. Um, but you know, this is a, this is something that has been raised for, uh, two seasons now mm-hmm. on trying to put some more power into that tactical, into that bracelet. Um, interesting to hear that she's in a really good space in their mind. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited to sit down with Daniel again, talk about Loba specifically and just know. What what is a good place for a legend to be? Because I'm not really sure what it is yet. Do you think that the shortening of the animation on both sides, the shortening of the tactical in general, or getting at the Pathfinder treatment, which one do you think would be uh, most impactful? Which one do you think the community would love to see all the Loba mains out there? Yeah, I I think shortening the animation would be better yeah. than uh, doing the whole like, use-based cooldown Mm -hmm. uh, just because I think getting that gun up afterwards uh, if that was shortened it would just open up a whole new realm of possibility for how to play offensive Mm -hmm. and you know different things so I think that's where you could do a lot of work Um, but I think we both have been playing a little bit of Loba I think we've been Mm -hmm. enjoying her kit a fair bit the ammo Um, change was awesome Mm -hmm. yeah I I don't think she's in a, a bad place Um, I think it's just hard to look at legends individually, Mm -hmm. you know, compare Loba's bracelet to Horizon, Wraith, Pathfinder, and Octane. Yeah. And you don't necessarily feel like Loba's in the center of that pack. Totally fair. Uh, Daniel then, when asked to rate the season eight on a scale of one to 10, Daniel responds with definitely an eight, but just you wait for seasons nine and 10. Which kind of reiterates this thought we've heard from a couple of people, like saying that we've heard, you know, the writers saying for a long time, nine and 10 craziness. I think Daniel's also excited because uh, based on what we know very limitedly is that his legend will be the legend that comes out in season nine or 10. So that could be exciting as well. But interesting to hear. Yep, for sure. Very interesting. Uh, You know, just stay, stay excited, Mm -hmm. I guess. In response to a question about hitboxes, Daniel gives a quote going into the insight of hitboxes and the future of Apex Legends. I'm going to read this one out now because paraphrasing it was not going to do it justice. Listen, if we were developing Apex today, it'd be like everyone is on the same set of hitboxes, make it work. Unfortunately, that's not the world we live in. You may have noticed that we haven't shipped another legend on a large hitbox. There's a reason for that. Unless we find a way to shrink Gibby and Caustic visually in a way that's not super derpy, 
without having to redo all their skins and animations, and probably do the same for our tiny legends. I don't see us realistically moving to the same hitboxes for everyone, as preferable as that would be. The concept of um, hitboxes is so polarizing in Apex, and it's interesting to see you know the guy in charge of balancing pretty much saying like, yeah, in a perfect world, and retrospectively, I wish we had just made everyone the exact same, and that would have taken a lot of I think difficulty out of the balancing potentially. Yeah, I. I'm kind of shocked at how controversial this idea of hitboxes is Mm -hmm. and how powerful its impact is. Mm -hmm. Because I think if you look at the numbers of the game, you don't necessarily see hitbox as a major determining factor. Um, You know, like right now, Gibraltar has the third highest win rate, Mm -hmm. but has a hitbox that is more than two times that of Wraith. You know, there are different abilities and different play styles that impact that, but hard i think it's so hard to just rest on this idea that we have unequal hitboxes and then we're still not satisfied with fortified and low profile mm-hmm. i think it's very interesting and this is such a tricky point of discussion I like think, people are so stuck on it yeah. but the numbers show that it's not just the smallest legends at the top mm-hmm. and it's not the biggest legends at the bottom or vice versa and we have solutions that appear to be working. I think it's just that there, the fact that there are so many variables now with low profile, fortified, the different sizes and such, it just adds more of this ability to find problems and create controversy around things. And it's just another aspect of which it needs to be focused on. The only time we've ever seen a hitbox change, though, uh, seriously impact things was with Pathfinder. And that, you know, impacted him in a negative way at the time. And so, I'm interested to see if this supposed Wraith stuff that might be coming this season actually does anything to her. It would it'd be surprising to me if it made like a drastic change at all in any way. Um, but so just hitboxes in general is such an interesting subject, but it's interesting to kind of hear the thoughts on why that is and kind of keep tuned with the idea that the rest of the legends that we're going to get are going to be pretty middle of the line, no low profile, no fortified, nothing crazy. and I'm fine with that. Like, no issues here. That sounds good to me. Keep it simple. Next, we got Gibraltar and Lifeline changes coming, but not this season. This is from the designer Jay Beebs on Reddit. Unfortunately, a couple meaningful tweaks to the gun shield just missed the cutoff of next week's patch. One, bleed through, and two, damage counting towards stat slash evo to mitigate some of the shield economy difference in poking engagements at Jib. We wanted to add that we really wanted to get the gun shield damage in for 8.0. That's season 8 patch but we discovered a bug in how damage is registered by gun shield with single projectile versus multiple projectile weapons. Additionally, there's going to be nothing at the start of the season for Lifeline, but we are exploring options to reduce some frustration surrounding her passive. Taking some power from that and giving it to her underwhelming ult is what we're looking at in particular. Unfortunate that we're going to miss out on some of these changes that I think people were expecting to get this season, um, but it's kind of interesting to hear what their plans are and what they're working on. Yeah, it's definitely good to see that, you know, they're having these conversations at least and that they uh, wanted to do it, but ran into some obstacles. I really, really like this gun shield change Mm -hmm. to actually have it be registered by Evo Armor to charge it up. Um, I think that's a really nice thing that A, will make people happy Mm -hmm. um, and B, won't necessarily take away power from Gibraltar. It's just kind of a way to 
mitigates it's, frustration. It's a nice thing. I think that it's going to take the edge off a little bit with those frustrating engagements. Um, and then with the bleed through, I think that that isn't going to be absolutely destructive, but I think settle some disappointments or frustrations, which is great. Um, you know, Lifeline, we think she's in a really cool spot. Um, the community doesn't. We'll see what happens and on the timeline. Because I imagine, the numbers don't say yeah. that she's extreme. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. I think this next six month period, the next two seasons, we're going to see what the priorities yeah, are. We're going to mm-hmm. potentially see a new way of approaching balancing an apex, whether it's relying on professional feedback or going even deeper into data. I think there's major choices to happen in the next six months. And with Lifeline in particular, I think you're going to see an answer to that question. It's going to be fascinating. I'll be really interested to see, like, I think the first thing that comes to your mind is like, okay, you're putting a little cool down on the res with the shield. And Mm -hmm. in turn, you're going to be giving something to that ult, whatever Mm -hmm. it is. But I like that at least what this says coincides with what Daniel is saying in that her power is fine. We don't want to take away her power. We want to take away the power that frustrates people, which is kind of something we've talked about a lot recently with Caustic and such. And so it's interesting to see if they can figure out a way to do that successfully with Legends and create a better game environment. That's only going to be good for everyone else around there and for you know social media and the negativity out there. I'm all for it. I think it's, it's going to be cool to see what happens. Definitely. Next piece of news is courtesy of Apex Legends News on Twitter. Apex Legends just hit an all-time player peak on Steam at 120,000 concurrent daily players just on Steam. Really cool to see. We've never really had any numbers that tell us, you know, how many people are playing Apex? What's PC lobby sizes and such? And so having the game on Steam now and seeing that it is recently hitting the peak is a very cool thing to see. Hopefully we surpass that in Season 8. and. Maybe it just continues to climb. Yeah, we're really excited. I think that there's some really cool things uh, coming this season that hopefully will get people excited uh, and just have us have another great launch. Definitely. Apex Legends News also confirmed that an in-game damage counter will be coming in Season 8. Something that from a UI perspective we have been talking about for the longest time. I'm really excited for it to kind of see you know how effective and functional it is and see if it changes you know maybe how i play a match or two here and there yeah i think that in the minority there are some situations where man you really want to have that Mm -hmm. if you're going for the 2k or 3k or 4k damage um i think for the most part it will probably not be as good as people maybe want it to be Mm -hmm. uh just because i think at the end of a game things kind of shake down and you get to that point where you're happy with your damage about 200 per kill Mm -hmm. but Early on, I think it's going to be a little frustrating to go into the first half of the game with 60 damage but two kills Mm -hmm. and kind of feel down because of that, even though that's totally normal, Mm -hmm. totally Mm -hmm. fine early game when people don't have armor. Like, that's totally normal, but I think it'll kind of be demoralizing to early in the game have really low damage. So we'll see what people's feelings are. But my, my hypothesis is, People were screaming for it based on these achievements, but for normal play, I don't know if they're going to like it as much as they think. It'll be fun for the when you're at 2,900 and mm-hmm. it says, oh, 
heck, I need to really push this if I want to, you know, hit my 3K. Like, but like you said, it's, I don't think it's going to be a every game I'm drastically making changes based on how much damage I have if you care about the wins. We also have some rumors now. Potentially have an Apex coming to the Nintendo Switch to start of next season. While it's not been confirmed yet, there's been a lot of rumors flying around that Apex will be coming, uh, the latest of which being that uh, the Japanese Amazon website has a pre-order open for Apex Legends Champion Edition for the Nintendo Switch. We've had a couple, you know, leaks, accidental, you know, plugs in different languages and such already come out. I hope this, you know, launches this season with the Switch. It'd be nice to add that. We've been interested in like, is they are they going to play in the Xbox and the PlayStation lobbies? Like how? Because how's their crossplay going to play into this? And how many people does it play to bring to the game in general? Yeah, I'm excited to to hear more about this. I'm really hoping that they're able to pull the trigger on this just because mm-hmm. it's already been delayed uh, a fair bit. So we'll see. And the impact of it, I think, is definitely in question. I want this to come because I want mobile to come eventually. Mm-hmm. And mobile's the one that I think could make a serious impact on popularity and player base. But that's for another episode. For sure. Before we get into talking about all these new trailers, here's a word from our sponsors. If you're a fan of gaming in this show, check out our other podcast, The Good Games Podcast. Once a month, Henry and I are selecting a game and diving deep into our experience playing it. If you want to hear Henry and I crack jokes, theorize about gaming news, and just have a good time, check out the show. Our latest episode just released talking about the Titanfall series, a personal favorite of ours. Great show. Welcome back. It's now time to dive into the trailers. Dive deep. Like... We're going to go as deep as we can, um, but we're going to go through everything that we have at this point of recording. And And just preface with, as you guys know, we recorded a couple of days before we normally do. So we're going to be talking about the trailers that normally we would have talked about last week as well. So we got a lot to cover, essentially. Yeah, we kind of put a lot on our plate for Mm -hmm. this one, but we're going to try to do it well. The first trailer is the stories from the Outlands Mm -hmm. and Good as Gold. Uh, This was kind of the lore background for Salvo and Fuse. Um, Really cool and very different uh, than the stories of the Outlands we've seen in the past. The style was not what I was expecting from, I felt like there was a difference in animation than we're used to a little bit with kind of like some of the flashbacks and the cutscenes and such. Um, And they're really, as much as they teased it and stuff, it was interesting, in my opinion, to introduce a, another organization into the universe, this big, great Titanfall Apex universe uh, that seems to have some power and a serious impact on what's going to happen in the future. But I really enjoyed the trailer in general, and Fuse is an awesome guy. Yeah, he's really cool. You know, his real name is Walter or Wally Fitzroy. Uh, pretty cool name. Uh, I would say. Australian. Yeah, we like that a lot. He has quite the personality. And based off of this uh, story from the Outlands, it kind of grew up uh, a little reckless. Um, uh, a little is an understatement a by reckless, a lot. <laughs> a little violent. I'm not sure if uh, we'd want to raise our kids to be like uh, Wally here. Uh, <laughs> but essentially, the the story surrounded this kind of totem of the golden grenade. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Walter or Wally and one of his quote unquote friends, friends, uh, Maggie, uh, kind of challenged each other, uh, with this prize of the golden Mm -hmm. grenade, uh, which I think 
even at, the, at its best, was a little dangerous and scary. Um, like, they would pretty much put their lives on the line to win this, uh, this trophy of the mm-hmm. Golden Grenade. And then, essentially, we put in this uh, idea of the Apex Games and Salvo joining the planet, Salvo joining the Syndicate mm-hmm. space, uh, and Wally kind of wanting to go make a name for himself in the games and leave this crazy life behind. Which, side note, leaving a crazy life to go enter a blood sport mm-hmm. means that the life was pretty darn crazy. I think what I liked about the trailer was we we kind of learned a bit about Wally and his background. And we always talk about with our legend concepts of why did you enter the games? And with Wally, it's for the glory. Mm-hmm. It's for that fame. And we see it with the little fighting ring on Salvo itself being something that he wanted to do so bad uh, growing up and then conquering that and then being like the Apex Games is the next step. But seeing that personal clash between him and his character and his desire and the planet and their desire to really not be a part of the Apex Games and associated with the Syndicate was yeah. very interesting. And, you know, Salvo wanting to be an independent planet. Mm-hmm. I think we can all empathize with that. Mm-hmm. They're kind of outside of the norm. They're kind of reckless. It seems like a planet. I don't want to profile them, but it seems like they're into that kind of thing. Um, a little bit lawless. I think they're, that's why there mm-hmm. was kind of a delay on this agreement. Yep. But they we got kind weapons. of know that the syndicate isn't all happy-go-lucky, like you know the Republic in Star Wars. It's you, a bit, it's a bit more uh, empire-ish. Yeah, it's a little scary, mm-hmm. and so Maggie and others uh, on the planet Salvo not being happy with uh, with Fuse here or Wally joining and kind of doing it on a big stage like mm-hmm. the Apex Games. That's understandable. Like they labeled him as a traitor. There's some tension. We're going to get more into Talk where that Talk about what happens went. with the tension, yeah. Well, also, in the trailer, we see that Maggie throws the, the golden grenade and pulls the pin, and it explodes mm-hmm. and blows Wally's arm off. Mm-hmm. His reaction was super chill. No, he, he was a nice guy for what just happened to him. He didn't He's, experience a lot of pain. Said, keep it. Like, yep, it's yours. Like, throw that out for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was pretty, uh, pretty hardcore. Uh, to say the least. How far are we from the technology of I can lose a limb and be totally cool with it because I know I'm going to get an enhanced robotic, like awesome, super strength upgrade. something upgrade. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we're that close to it. We're going to have to ask the nurse in the in our room. <laughs> yeah. If, if we're sure about that, because I think that kind of explains to me why he was so reckless before. Yeah. A <laughs> little bit. Fall back on that. Um, but another and cool You can be tidbit, a simulacrum. Yeah. <laughs> Another cool thing about Wally or Fuse is that he's 54 years old, Woo! which is the second oldest legend that we have in the game. Uh, Revenant, who is kind of an exception, is 313 years old. Uh, we don't know his like human age, mm-hmm. but that's how long that his um, mind has mind been around. Is, yeah. um, but to just give you kind of the closer legends, Horizon is 37. Mm-hmm. Mom like solid age there. Loba's 34 and then Caustic is 48. And that's kind of the closest human sort of equivalent to Wally here at 54. So I think his perspective is one that we haven't seen before. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, we kind of 
had an interesting perspective of a mom joining a blood sport mm-hmm. with Horizon. Uh, now we have a 54-year-old man, you know, who's lived an entire life, you know. Right. It's, it's crypto, an interesting place crypto to be. Crypto better be making some jokes about the man's age if he's going to hate on Mirage. That's all I'm trying to say. Yeah, I mean, Crypto's 31, Mirage is 30. I was shocked to learn that Gibraltar is 30. I was too. shocked that Loba was 34 also. Like, that one blew my mind when we figured that out. Yeah, she's experienced, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah, no the teenagers in the games. No, this game's not for kids, as we know. Um, but moving right along to the Season 8 launch trailer. Uh, this is kind of the next step of Fuse's story. And what went down was there was this big uh, celebration of welcoming the new legend Fuse into the Apex Legends games on Kings Canyon. Seems like a big crowd showed up. There was prizes, there was confetti, there was music. Everybody was having a great time. Uh, You know, that big ship that was kind of advertising that Salvo was joining the syndicate uh, kind of brought Fuse in on a kind of a chariot kind of style vibe. And then out of nowhere, you know, Fuse is saying hi to the crowd. It's a big deal. And if you think about this in context, this is a huge sporting event. Oh, like, this is this is the Super Bowl on steroids yeah, for this like, area. This is pretty much like LeBron James coming in and hang, having a party at, with a big crowd. Mm-hmm. So Fuse coming in, big deal, big crowd. And what ended up happening was Maggie, uh, Fuse's kind of sort of acquaintance, um, was able to hack, rig, um, make a lot of bad things happen. That's the best description I've heard yet. That's very kind of you. Um, So essentially, the ship that was carrying Fuse got taken over and began to open fire on some civilians, um, a lot of civilians, Mm -hmm. and then she was able to detonate some rigged explosives that destroyed a pretty big chunk of the actual map um, from the trailer. The explosion was huge, um, just massive. It was an intense event. You had a very big ship just open fire on people. Yeah. And then you had this huge bomb, string of bombs, go off in the mountains. Like, this was a terrorizing event. This was intense. There's no doubt. Um, and then the ship crashed because Mm -hmm. Fuse kind of went in there to try to stop uh, these weapons and ended up destroying the control station and crashing the ship and that did some damage as well. I will say I'm so excited to see Fuse's and Pathfinder's relationship because Fuse obviously cares about the Marvins and I think that's kind of a cool thing in general is he he's a good guy like that's kind of the vibe we get is like he does bad things and grew up doing bad things but in his heart he like he wants to save people like he wants to you know be appreciated and he wants to do good in the world save the marvin he's like he has a strong moral compass in a way i think i think he's a wonderful addition to the games Mm -hmm. and i think his rationale for joining the games is pretty much better than anybody else's um because he's a fighter. He's always been a fighter, mm-hmm. but he still has that likable personality and he's coming to the games for a real understandable reason. Definitely. And I think he's coming in uh, with a couple of years under his belt. So he should be pretty good at this. Yeah. Do we need to talk about how your boy Gibby uh, didn't really want to save any lives and pop the bubble? Yeah. So 
just want to talk briefly about this because a lot of people had questions. So I think honest questions about kind of what went down, you know, Gibraltar, Lifeline, they were in attendance. Uh, Lifeline was able to pick somebody up and save one life. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was very nice. And we see Gibraltar kind of directing people away from yep. uh, the gunfire, the horrible event. Um, and a lot of people were wondering, well, why didn't Gibraltar use the dome shield? Because he used the dome shield at a at a party mm-hmm. in the quest. Mm-hmm. And a couple examples of kind of why maybe he didn't are one, um, the uh, dome shield isn't really meant for this kind of uh, weapon. Yeah, that like, was these the best are answer. Huge artillery cannons. Mm-hmm. Um, it it wouldn't work, and so essentially you'd be putting down the bubble and. Uh, falsely inviting people into safety for them all to be concentrated and killed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another explanation is that it wasn't it, uh, kind of in the same vein. It's better to scatter in that situation. Mm-hmm. And the big takeaway is this was a terrorist event mm-hmm. and it was really scary. Yeah. And I'm curious what the political implications are going to be given the fact that I think this is a pretty shaky relationship between the syndicate and Salvo. And so I, I really hope and think that there should be uh, some sort of consequence, maybe just for Maggie. Mm-hmm. But it seems like this was quite a coordinated thing, given the fact that this was a major security breach. There was, you know, tons of explosives rigged, I think, this is a big deal. That it's going to be fascinating. needs to be addressed. And I think what's also interesting to note is that ship that opened fired on everyone from Titanfall lore, that is a cargo ship. That's not a heavy weapon warship that we've seen a lot of in Titanfall and exist in this universe. And the syndicate has their hands on a cargo ship. Uh, who's to say they don't have their hands on maybe some warships that can... Uh, deal out some serious more impact than just that one guy. And it seems like if those rolled up on a planet, some bad Death Star style stuff could happen. Yeah. So so this event is kind of, I mean, I don't want to say anything too crazy, but this is kind of one of the biggest legend entries into the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, you had Loba, who was essentially acting on good authority. Mm-hmm. Like, paid by uh the syndicate to do this and then there was a destruction an accident mm-hmm. um you know we had crypto come in and hack something that invited in all the leviathans mm-hmm. caused a lot of destruction this is on a different level this is a like civilians died. this is big mm-hmm. a lot of civilians died you know the reputation of the games being a you know safe and controlled chaos is important mm-hmm. and we have this interplanetary politics going on so this is a big deal and I would be really shocked if we don't circle back around and see the developments of what this will cause. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Like this is going to have to be involved in lore in the future, whether it be Quest, uh, Instagram, Twitter, uh, teasers and stuff. Just kind of like there's going to be and has to be a further relationship explored between these planets. Now, you can't have this activity happen and have no consequences. For sure. Now, moving right along to the thing that really is going to impact our lives. Yeah. The Season 8 Mayhem Gameplay Trailer. And first off, before we get into the details, um, just the style of this trailer Mm -hmm. is really a must watch. It was kind of 
stylized as an 80s action movie starring Fuse, um, which I think is really fun. It was a really good time. I enjoyed the heck out of the trailer. It was a very good one. I know some people said it was the best ever. We're not there yet. I think it's a top. It's a top three, probably top four. Like very, very good, very, very good. I enjoyed it a lot. It takes a lot to make a really great gameplay trailer. It's not just a marketing tactic of having a cool style, but you have to have some real cool gameplay mechanics, like a new map, mm-hmm. to be really the number one. So mm-hmm. this one was great. Um, we're really excited about it. I think you definitely have to watch it. Of course, you know, Apex is always coming out with great music in their mm-hmm. trailers. Yep. So Shay and I both have the song stuck in our head. Too um, bad. It's really good. <laughs> um, but to really get into the meat here, the first big thing here is the map changes. Um, a lot of the kind of public relations has been saying that Kings Canyon got obliterated. Uh, Completely so redone. changes. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're just going to go through kind of what exactly uh, we know has been changed. And we believe at this point of recording that this is the extent uh, of the major changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first is prefaced by the fact that ECHO, uh, the Ecological Cleanup and Hazard Outreach Organization, has arrived at Kings Canyon to protect the water table from the massive fuel leak which occurred with the terrorist attack. So mm-hmm. big ship comes down. I mean, there's thousands and thousands of gallons of rocket Oil. fuel mm-hmm. everywhere. Um, so that's why Echo is there. And with them coming, a lot of new buildings, a lot of different styles of buildings yep. uh, have been introduced to play on. First big thing is that Slum Lakes, um, kind of a original mm-hmm. location in Apex. Ooh, sad um, to see it go. For sure. Uh, has been replaced by a very similarly named Spotted Lakes. It's still SL. Mm-hmm. It's still Lakes. Mm-hmm. Slum Lakes is now Spotted Lakes. Don't get it confused. Um, and with that, there's a lot of expanded routes or choke points in order to navigate to and from now Spotted Lakes, which is really cool. It's a really awesome looking POI. And we have a picture pulled up in front of us. And I'm sure you guys will see pictures on social media or if you go and look at the patch notes yourself. The first thing that caught my eye with this, though, is they're doing a great job with this water. The water looks pristine, and I am so excited to see how it actually looks in game and see kind of like, are we going to get a, well, it was a destruction and a very destruction style vibe, which is kind of the opposite of what people loved about Olympus and how beautiful and put together it was. Are we going to, within this destruction, see some really cool colors and some beauty in the map, which I think a lot of people uh, really look forward to with Kings, particularly like the OG Kings was like blue skies and just gorgeous, like a little brown, but there was still a lot of really nice green, greenery areas, lots of trees and water everywhere. Yeah, I, I think the colors here are going to be uh, definitely welcomed um, by people. I think it looks really good. And just tying back to that water, um, it's all tainted by oil. So mm-hmm. it kind of has that rainbow tint mm-hmm. uh, that gas has when it spills, uh, which I think is going to make for some really cool reflections and nice aesthetics in game. Um, but essentially, that's a, a reskin of an area. Mm-hmm. Um, this terrorist attack also gave a space for a completely new POI. And it appears to be quite a big one. And it's called yeah. Crash Site. Mm-hmm. And so this huge cargo ship has crash landed and there's a bunch of scaffolding and kind of support buildings in order to clean up the wreckage. And 
there's a lot of new pathways uh, to and from it, either around through now spotted legs or through artillery, multiple tunnels now. Um, so it's not just the new POI slapped down in the corner. It has a lot of support to hopefully give it a natural flow, mm-hmm. even though it's really getting shanked into the map a little bit. Yeah, they really did what a lot of people have been asking for and took the top part of Kings Canyon and said, let's just add a massive POI here and expand the map. We have some concerns about the edges of the map getting the most drastic changes and how that's going to actually impact the playability of the rest of the map and what a lot of the community sees as some of the negatives of this map in general. But I'm really excited to drop here and I hope that our listeners will and other people will drop in this new location because the only way things are going to change on this map from a third party, from a choke standpoint, is if this location and rig and those places are actually played as they should be, which are top tier POIs in all three maps. Like these are incredibly great POIs. Yeah, they really are. And they've been just stepping it up every season when they add POIs to maps. Yep. They just get better and better, mm-hmm. honestly. It's it's something that I feel is overlooked by the general audience, but with us really paying attention and trying really hard to change up our, our ways, which is hard for a lot of people to do. Um, but we really love all these new POIs on World's Edge and Kings Canyon. But besides just it being flashy and new, they have come up with some really cool ideas to encourage you to go give Crash Site a visit. It's interesting. The first thing is, so we're talking map features that are being changed specifically. And the first thing is we have the longest zip line ever from Pit all the way north to the Crash Ship. It's going to be a long zip line. Yeah. I mean, we have not seen a ton of long zip lines. Uh, the longest zip line right now is at Hammond Labs, mm-hmm. just a massive one. I think this one is significantly longer than that. Yeah. Um, and so this is a very telegraphed thing. It gets you there very quickly, especially because mm-hmm. you're, you know, staying high. You're not going down into the lakes. Mm-hmm. Um, so really cool. Uh, but zip lines are always a risk, as the third party nation knows. They know all too well. The next kind of major thing is we have explosive holds, uh, which essentially are these little reinforced bunkers that were dropped off of the cargo ship that has Mm -hmm. crashed. And they have, you know, they're locked with security cards. The only way of opening them is with an explosive frag grenade, arc star, or thermite. So kind of an interesting way to kind of keep loot from people is they have to loot first in order to get to them, Mm -hmm. uh, which is a totally new mechanic outside Mm -hmm. of the loot vault where you actually need to get a key that was definitely harder to get than a A grenade. grenade. Yeah. Um, but with this, there's no more loot bunkers, uh, that had static gold weapons all mm-hmm. over the map, which I'm kind of disappointed about. I thought along with the charge, uh, towers that those loot bunkers were really fun to mm-hmm. have on Kings Canyon. I don't think they were used very much. So I always felt like I could kind of get a cool advantage by having those guaranteed and knowing where they go. And I like what you pointed to talking about those as well off air was like, that was kind of our symbol and remembrance of the quest. And we could point to that and be like, yeah, that was really cool back in, you know, season five when we, and season six, when we open these up and for the first time discovered story about these people and that's gone now. And we haven't gone back to previous iterations of maps yet. And so 
there's no way for us to not say it's gone for good at this point. Yeah, it's definitely a little bit of a loss. Hopefully they bring enough value to really pull people up to crash site. Mm -hmm. Um, But once you actually blow the doors off these things, um, you can find weapons, ammo, and what they call valuable attachments. That could totally mean a one-times hollow site. Mm-hmm. I don't really know what valuable means. Maybe it means purple attachments only. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's purple and gold, um, but valuable. Um, and so there's not going to be gear, not going to be armor and no consumables, heals, and grenades. Mm-hmm. It's just weapons, ammo, and attachments. Um, so kind of weapon-based. So very interesting new looting mechanic. And the next new map feature are these observation towers, which are definitely cool, similar to the blast walls that we have on World's Edge. Mm -hmm. Um, So you interact with them with the screen panel, and then there's four of them that can rise up once you interact. And once you deploy it, um, it'll go up, and you have a really high sniper perch with a vertical zip line that deploys to get you up. Um, The activation, uh, you know, Respawn has said is loud, um, I'm not sure if that is so much of a deterrent. Um, the blast walls are loud, mm-hmm. um, but I don't necessarily feel that if I'm ever rising one of those walls or raising one of those walls, I'm bringing in that third party. So I don't think you should be too afraid to actually use this mechanic. I mm-hmm. think that it's going to be cool. And if you're a sniper, this could be a really cool thing to use in game. I think it's going to be real interesting to see how it plays because in general, we shy away from the stationary uh, positioning and so this is very much a mechanic that you know this means like oh if you're a rampart you activate one of these go up there set up your amped walls and it's just a very interesting different play style from what most people like and enjoy and so i wonder if the height will have value in that i wonder how they'll play in end games and such as well um what's the visibility going to be like looking up at them as well there's a lot of questions could be a really cool mechanic um i'm not expecting it to be like a drastic impact shifter of this area though at least right now yeah to really get a good grasp of the interaction and the impact we're gonna have to look at them in game to see kind of what that under the tower is like because i can definitely see how you'd have to either hit your shots really well um or just kind of be safe up there, mm-hmm. um, which I think is an option for some players. But again, we don't usually recommend just staying in a small place. Mm-hmm. Um, we do like high ground and power positions, but it's not quite, we're not quite sure if these observation towers are going to be clear power positions just based on the fact that there's four of them kind of in a tight radius. And this is already a very vertical POI mm-hmm. at crash site. Yeah. That kind of wraps up all the map changes, at least that we know of. There's a couple other, but we'll discuss all that stuff more in detail when we get to play this thing around next week, and it's going to be really fun. Let's dive into maybe the biggest question mark still, based off the trailer, and the weapon. Yeah, so Season 8 is bringing in a new weapon to mm-hmm. Apex, the thirty thirty repeater. And we're going to try to break it down, but just to preface it, it is very, very interesting. It's different than any other weapon we've gotten teased and that we don't know a lot about it. It's very, not easy is not the right word, but you can normally tell a lot about the weapon in trailers based on how it fires, uh, if there's attachments being picked up, and the scopes, all that kind of stuff. And we did not get a lot of hard information 
based off this gameplay trailer. And maybe in two days we'll get a weapon trailer and this will all be pointless. So, Yeah, it, and most of the time when we get a new weapon, we've already seen it before in Titanfall. Yeah. So you can pull from it. This is a completely new asset in Apex and the Titanfall universe. Um, I assume it's coming out of the Vancouver office, but I can't confirm that. <laughs> so this is totally new, uh, which definitely leaves a lot of questions and is exciting. First off, we're just going to assume that it's going into the sniper class. But there are some indicators that it would be incredibly unique to that class. And we feel that for a good reason. Um, the first indicator that it is in the sniper class is that it has a six-shot capacity mm-hmm. based on the trailer. And this is very similar to snipers. The longbow starts off with six in the clip. Triple take, also six. Sentinel has four. And the charge rifle essentially has four a little weird but you only fire four times Mm -hmm. um other kind of indicators about the 3030 is from the trailer it has a very high rate of fire has that small mag but a high rate of fire faster than the longbow but an unknown damage profile yeah you never see if someone gets their armor cracked in the gameplay trailer and that kind of thing so we can't even throw you guys like what we would are like what our best guess would be based off of the visual yeah, and the visuals are always kind of exaggerated because mm-hmm. you you can never tell if the weapon's really uh, getting knocks that quickly Yeah, because um, they kind of always do it perfect. Um, but we have this high rate of fire, don't know the damage, uh, but assuming that the weapon will do less than the longbow because it fires faster, mm-hmm. the longbow does 55 to the body, it's likely going to be 40 to the body. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of my guess, but that does put it at slightly under where the wingman is at. It puts it in a very interesting comparison to the G7. Like, it really does. And we thought it was going to be more compared to the longbow and the sentinel, but that rate of fire looks like it might be shifting where it's going to be in this, in the meta conversation at least. Yeah, I think that the rate of fire is a huge staple of this weapon. Mm-hmm. I think that it's going to outperform a lot of the semi automatic weapons in the game. This damage profile is the biggest unknown and i'm ready to be wrong on it just Mm -hmm. because it has to be high to counteract that really high rate of fire and the fact that it's starting ammo capacity is only six so if you do compare that to the g7 that starts with 10 i mean the damage is not even going to be close i will say if it's in the sniper class and we'll dive into it more in a little bit but if it's in the sniper class we love the triple take and a lot of people love the triple take because of its ability to, you know, have a little shotgun in it, have mm-hmm. a, have that hip fire and the trailer opened up with the gun being used as a hip fire gun, not as a sniper. Like, and that is kind of a weird uh, differentiation, but that's what drove power into the triple take in our mind. And so maybe there is room for this gun to be infective at least. I think there's definitely a potential for it to find a place, but it's tight mm-hmm. for sure. It's it's not an easy fit. The next kind of baffling thing about this weapon is that it appears to have an alternate fire mode per se with the charge up, kind of like a choke. Um, while you're aiming down sights, we're assuming that it increases the damage, mm-hmm. uh, similar to how the Sentinel is when you energize it with shield cells, without cells, or any additional ammo consumption. Uh, we used to, with the Havoc, when it went on to single fire, when mm-hmm. it had the select fire, it would consume five bullets every time you would shoot it um, when it was kind of in that single fire mode. 
when you're in this kind of charged up state while ADSing with the 3030, we don't see any indicator that there's any penalty mm-hmm. other than the time it takes to charge it up, which significantly decreases the rate of fire. Yeah. We're hoping there's a big payoff for that. But how much is it going to be? Um, because it should be less than 70, uh, which is kind of where the Sentinel is normally. When the Sentinel's charged up with shield cells, it, it's at 88 to a normal legend. So I, I wonder, it's weird. I wonder if, we'll talk about Fuse's abilities in a little bit here, but I wonder if what we saw out of his tactical means that maybe we get not a damage ability based off of it and more of a tactical kind of ability a slow a stun or something like that as the benefit or boost of charging the gun which would be unprecedented something that's not in the game really uh, outside of you know the charge rifle kind of slowing you when it's hit but maybe that helps it carve out a niche you know that's not too similar to what other things have done in the past yeah it it de- be prepared to be shocked by mm-hmm. this weapon. I definitely am because given my estimate that it really shouldn't be more than 88 because mm-hmm. that requires shield cells to do on the Sentinel, it probably will be more than a normal longbow shot, which is 55. So my just rough guess from the hip is that it potentially does 62 damage to the body when mm-hmm. charged up. But it does take a long time to charge up and this weapon has a high rate of fire. So would you rather fire three shots for about 40 or one shot for 60? Mm-hmm. Definitely the three shots. So what's the incentive for actually doing that ADS? Mm-hmm. Not really sure. Maybe you can only fire that fast from the hip. Mm-hmm. Maybe as soon as you uh, aim down sights, it, it automatically slows it down. Mm-hmm. Maybe. And so that would be very unique. More questions. Not a lot of answers <laughs> about the 3030, but lots of questions. The big one for you, Shay, is how is this going to impact the loot pool if it actually is in the sniper class? Does this mean we're going to have more sniper attachments? Yeah, we've had people have show frustrations around the sniper class and its um, impact on the loot pool and finding the sniper mags and the stocks being frustrating because snipers, while fun and cool, are not the predominant focus of Apex Legends and the speed of the game in general. I have like my fun little theory that I could look like an idiot in three days happily, but I'll just say it because, you know, whatever. If I'm right, I'm going to look like a beast because I have no inside knowledge. But uh, little theory, the gun has no class, comes fully stocked as evidenced in the gameplay trailer because Fuse just picks it up off the ground with no ammo around it, which is something all ground guns have. And then he just goes straight into firing and it's got ammo. So, you know, we got the recent LTM with fully kitted weapons being tested. Um, Maybe bringing in a fully kitted gun on the ground with a ammo capacity, essentially like a care package gun, but on the ground is a way to introduce a new weapon and not disrupt the loot pool is kind of my thought around that. Yeah, I mean, it's a crazy theory. Yeah. Crazy. If, um, it'd be reshaping no, the yeah. entire loot pool if they did something like that. It would, but I can tell you that I'd be very excited to come back next week and talk about that as the, the future. Because mm-hmm. I think that is a really healthy future for the game, no matter how drastic it might feel. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really wonderful direction. Um, we're still going to be talking about the 3030, though. We're not quite done. Mm-hmm. Um, now, it might be a sniper, but maybe it won't be. 
Um, and the thing that I'm looking at is the reload in trailer mm-hmm. is not popping out a magazine and putting a new one in like all the other snipers, all the other light guns and heavy guns. Um, it's a per round you're putting in every shell mm-hmm. individually like the Mastiff. And so that kind of means to me that this weapon won't have an extended mag. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case and it only has six shots, that's incredibly low. Yeah. Like that's really, really low for a weapon that should be used like aggressively at multiple different ranges. It's not a shotgun um, unless maybe it is. Introducing a gun that doesn't have the ability to take an extended mag is not something new to the game. And so totally realistic to have something like this. L-Star, charge rifle, both guns that have been introduced in the game don't have extended mags. So this is not unprecedented and wouldn't surprise me if that was the case at all. If it was very powerful as a gun, but it only had six shots and that was the limitation. Yeah, I think that it would be a good way to maybe bring in a pretty powerful weapon and a new weapon without putting a lot of pressure on that loot pool. Like Mm -hmm. we've had a lot of concerns about, honestly. And our concerns about the loot pool stem from the fact that multiple developers have Mm -hmm. come out and said that the loot pool has been maxed and then we've added more to it. And so it's got to be stressed at this point based on the numbers, at least. Yeah, for sure. But kind of in closing, this is an incredibly interesting development, having this new weapon. Maybe it's a sniper. Maybe it's some sort of heavy AR. but it is definitely a very weird addition. It has very little room to actually carve out a place in people's hearts, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. Um, all the semi-automatic weapons in the game are really close already. Um, and so the thirty thirty is going to have to be very unique in yeah. order to get the attention that maybe it deserves as a, as a new season weapon. Let's talk about one of the big question marks for this season and the new attachment coming to the game, the gold extended max. Shay and I are hyped. We have been really excited. We've for been a asking new piece for gold gear, gear for a while. Yeah, yeah. This is really cool. You know, we love uh, the gold loot in the game. You can't get too excited about it, but mm-hmm. I love just the creativity of making a you know faster charge or you know mm-hmm. the fast heals, and we used to have it and bringing people up with a gold bag. Love that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm excited about this. But we have the gold extended mag. It's going to have the same ammo capacity as purple. It's pretty normal for all gold items in mm-hmm. the game. But it has the added benefit of automatically reloading the weapon it's attached to when it's holstered. And there's still a big question mark behind what that means, what it actually looks like, and how it plays. And so yeah. I'm beyond fascinated to get one of these on the gun in the firing range and just see kind of what it does, honestly. The feel of it is definitely going to be big. Um, you know, keep in mind that all the gold loot, it's very marginal, mm-hmm. marginal improvements. It's not supposed to be something that overpowers everything else. No. And a lot of people are already getting excited about how it might be overpowered. Mm-hmm. And the lead game designer has already come out and publicly said that there's a good delay uh, before a holstered weapon with a gold mag on it is reloaded. Mm-hmm. And if it turns out to not be long enough and it's a little too powerful, they can definitely increase it. And they're the easy happy scale to, do that. to slide. So kind of this thing being totally overpowered and just breaking the game, that's, I don't think anyone should have that concern. The goal here with the gold extended mag is to not give free reloads, but give a small, small benefit to situations where you're swapping weapons mid fight multiple times, Mm -hmm. which is kind of a rare thing to do. 
And like at minimum, what it's going to do is if you have to, you unload your R9 clip and then you swap guns, your R9 starts to reload while it's holstered. You empty the clip of whatever you're using there. You swap back. Maybe it's not full, but then at least you're doing a tactical reload instead of mm-hmm. a full reload and that can save you time. Yeah, it definitely could be cool. Some thoughts on just the loot pool and if the gold mag will be on all weapon classes, are we getting four new sets of magazines would be crazy we saw it as a heavy in the trailer um if we introduced a light heavy energy and a sniper mag all in gold that drastically shifts the gold loot pool thinking about like a cargo bot shooting that your odds of finding gold armor gold helmet or a gold bag uh just took a drastic shift and change um and that would be interesting to see we've kind of bounced around the idea of having a one size fits all magazine which you know unrealistic from like an actual uh, game perspective but it would be really cool and i think it would make the attachment effective and good for everyone i have some crazy theories about this okay um you know we've had seasons where things come in and definitely change up the ui and how Mm -hmm. you loot and do things like that i think back to season five when they changed up kind of just how the inventory looked yeah and you know we have these kind of thoughts in the back of our heads about simplifying loot i i kind of think that this will be able to be used on any weapon Mm -hmm. and i think that that will be very weird i don't think that i think that would be very awkward to have to just kind of have a gold mag that can go on any weapon essentially Mm -hmm. and give it that benefit but because i'm thinking that is a possibility i think that we are gonna next week see a very different attachment part of the game like i think i think there's a possibility that we get a kind of drastic overhaul Mm -hmm. it's not unprecedented for them to do crazy things the beginning of seasons Mm -hmm. i don't feel like the content that we've seen so far is at a breaking point i think they have room and resources to do other things for this season Mm -hmm. and i think that it's possible that we see a really new looting inventory mechanic that allows for this new hop-up her new attachment to have a place. Uh, that'd be really cool. Like if something was changed drastically like that, I think that would also uh, calm Henry and I from the perspective of there's not a lot of legend balancing and weapon balancing. It looks like that's going to be done this season. Maybe we'll be wrong and surprised with the patch notes. Uh, but if there was something big around the loot pool mechanic, we'd be like, oh, okay, that's what you guys have been working on. That makes a lot of sense. I just have this feeling that there is going to be a universal system coming out. Mm-hmm. Like, Everything uses the same extended mags, kind of universal. Um, For as ground maybe guns, a, in yeah, a way. I, I definitely think that it's possible. Yeah. Let's talk about Fuse. Yeah, so preface to this, the Legend trailer will be released in between this podcast and the next one. Uh, so we'll definitely come back with more details and a bit of our first impressions uh, on Fuse mm-hmm. in-game next episode. So this is gonna, we have to go into it because mm-hmm. we're so excited. Uh, but we're just going, going to go into what we think we know. Don't have any numbers, really. No numbers um, and nothing even confirmed on from uh, what happens, honestly. Yeah, this is just what we know and our speculation on it. Starting off with the passive, don't have a name for it, um, but we've seen in the gameplay trailer that Fuse is able to launch grenades with his robotic arm, which will in turn maybe give better accuracy, range, and speed on that throw. I think that's totally fair. And then I'll just throw in that, you know, we saw him walking through the fire during the trailer. 
And it would make sense for him to maybe be immune to some, maybe not posing thermites. If he was immune to all thermites, that'd be kind of cool. Like that'd be a powerful passive in a way. Uh, but maybe immune to his own fire, which is going to play into his ult. And that's just a theory. Yeah, I kind of would hope that he has that. Yeah. You know, it can go either way. Mm-hmm. Gibraltar takes damage from his ultimate. Caustic don't. Caustic doesn't. So, you know, it does, it kind of <laughs> comes down to, is Fuse's character model good enough to protect him from fire? His not, arm? Not totally, but maybe. Like, it's something that's on the table, and it really depends on what kind of play style they want him to have. Should he be at range using the 30-30 mm-hmm. and his ultimate? Kind of like Gibraltar's uh bombardment or do you want him in the flames like caustic and the gas mm-hmm. going crazy next we got the tactical now this has been named air burst grenade and i think this is a real shock to what we had thought it was um, but what it is is it fires an explosive device with a small launcher on fuses right forearm that detonates in midair we were shocked because it doesn't look like an explosion, which is what we were expecting. We were expecting like a frag style tactical essentially to deal out some damage. And it looked to have more of a stun slash flash effect potentially on the opposing legends. Uh, if you've been listening to this podcast for a long time, you know, Henry and I have concerns about that and the potential power it has. And we're all for adding power into a character. So if it's really good, I'll be cool with it. You might have some frustrating deaths, though, coming up in this next season if this is a really powerful, like, disorienting tactical grenade. Yeah, we, Shay and I have definitely been preparing ourselves and hopefully our audience by the fact that Fuse could be really cool, mm-hmm. but have that price to pay on the other end of being frustrating to play against. Um, you know, just to theorize about what this sort of explosive device that's mounted on a launcher, you're talking about a grenade, a tactical grenade that you can't avoid Mm -hmm. um, that will hit you and will impact, potentially slow you, blind you, deafen you. It's going to do something and you can't avoid it. It might have multiple charges as well. Um, That has huge potential to Mm -hmm. really shift the game uh, in a big way. So we will see the gameplay trailer didn't indicate that it was, you know, super destructive Mm -hmm. uh, to someone's mobility or sight. But it totally could be. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it kind of detonates in the midair means that it's going to be run and gun. You're fast. You can use it. Um, will it impact himself too as well will yeah. always be the big question with those like tactical style grenades. Like there's a lot that could change here. For sure. And finally, we have his ultimate, the mother load. Fires a missile with the, the cannon on fuses back that explodes midair again then spreads burning flames after the strike. And the first thing is, this is not really what we saw in the in-game teaser. No. It's not a mortar shell. It's not going to have a time detonation. It's not mm-hmm. going to be like a mine. Mm-hmm. This is a ring of fire ultimate. Yeah. That's going to be, I think, only usable outside like a Gibraltar bombardment. It's going to be interesting as heck on how it works. Um the UI looked very clean. Figuring out the actual function of it, though, is something I'm still uh, trying to figure out in a way. And so I'm excited to really dive into this next week and figure out how are Henry and I just going to try and wreck some people with a ring of fire when, in theory, a ring of fire is still, I'm not going to be able to run through it as it fuses teammate mm-hmm. to go hit people up close so it'll be interesting yeah based on the teaser the fire does some serious damage yeah um but can this be 
a really powerful area control tool? And in what situation is it going to be different than what other legends bring to the table in that regard? For sure. I'd love to speculate more on that. We're uh, going to talk gonna so much Fuse next week. Uh, we'll dive deeper really into the confirmed abilities and stuff because obviously I feel like this time around we have so much information on these legends by now and we really don't have anything like set in stone like from a numbers perspective yet on that. So that wraps that up. Now we're going into one of our favorite segments. Welcome to the club. This one's coming from Obilius Touch. The club is Game Heads. We'll have that all for you in the description. Here's a little description of the club itself. They are a diamond ranked player and have gotten to the point where they are tired of depending on SBMM skill-based matchmaking to give decent players that have the same rank goals as himself. So they created a club that is primarily for ranked, but they are not ranked level requirements. Typically towards the end of the splits, they like to help lower ranked players up. So gold and silver uh, players are welcome as well. Only requirement is console players only. Nothing against the movement just breaks their brain and they don't understand how players move the way they do. So hit them up on Discord, Oblivious Touch, all going to be in the description of the episode. Join the club. Welcome. Send them some love. Love that segment. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that it's always uh, worked out in the past, so hopefully hitting this next season we can get a lot of games together as a third-party nation. For sure. Next, we're doing something that we haven't really done in the past, but we're going to share a limited-time mode concept. Had a listener reach out to us with an idea and I just got so excited about it that I feel like I had to bring it to the show to discuss. Awesome. It's coming from Marcellus Prophet, and he said, Hey guys, I love the podcast. I listen at work, and you guys definitely make work go by easier. I wanted you all to take a look at my LTM idea and discuss what you all think. LTM. Proving grounds. No excuse to say I didn't win because I didn't have my main weapon. You create your loadout and upgrade it from white to blue with damage like evil armor. You drop in with blue body armor and a helmet, four syringes, four shield cells. Instead of dropping in from the dropship, all teams spawn on the map far apart. The first ring is the entire map, and the last ring is in the direct center of the map. What do you guys think, and how could it be improved? I like that. That's a really fun idea. Uh, and the concept of having the last ring be in the center of the map guaranteed is something we've talked about off air as like, maybe this could be incorporated into professional play in some way or like having the more predictive zone uh, causing a little less frustration for people. And we saw it in a way uh, with the LTM uh, Flashpoint, I believe is the name. And so we really like that. I love the you create your loadout, you upgrade it drop in with it or respawn in with it and i think there's real fun potential here i'm curious how the ammo maybe is managed like how much you drop in and stuff with i think that'd have to be balanced and like do you pick your drop spot like can you like choose and then like i I played um a br it was like a wizard one i cannot remember the name of it spell break and you chose kind of a portal you spawned in through but everybody could theoretically mm-hmm. choose the same one. So like, could you theoretically like have multiple people say, we're going to spawn in on water treatment. And then you got like five teams right off rip fighting each other with these guns and armor from the beginning. And that could be kind of fun in a way. Yeah. I think that's a way you can definitely speed it up a little bit yeah. for an LTM, which I think is important. I think the vibe that they were going for was there's no loot. So mm-hmm. there's really no reason to pick your own drop spot. Um, but I think that's a good maybe improvement for someone like this. I'm just so excited 
about this idea of tiered weapons yeah. and the ability of upgrading them through performance and not looting. That'd be Even really cool. boxes. Mm-hmm. So I'm cool with it. I think it's a really cool idea. Um, you know, we don't do this all the time, but... If you got them, send them our there's way. some very creative ideas out there, so we'd love to feature them. We're going to wrap up the show now by answering some five-star Apple Podcast Review questions. Remember, if you want your question read off on the show, submit a five-star review with your question to guarantee it be on the episode. Start us off. First question coming from Z Dankenstein. Love the podcast first off and super chill conversations. What is your Discord? Third party podcast. Link will be in the description. Like, I don't know the name. I don't even know how to join Discord off just the name of a (laughs) server, honestly. Yeah, I mean, we'd love to have you. The link's usually always in the description. You can find it on Instagram, find it on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Um, We'd love to have you there. It's a great community. Everybody's super nice. Um, we got some great people in charge over there, uh, making some awesome decisions and it's going over a bit of a little overhaul right now to better it for everybody, at least in our opinions. Next question coming from Zinja Wolf. What is the best legend to use? Great question. Tough question. Don't we all love it? I mean, Wraith. Yeah, we're going to give you some good answers, (laughs) but this really has to come down to play style. Gotta say, has to come down to play style. And the fact that this is a team game, mm-hmm. highly recommend you play it with other people. And, and that's so what it comes down to. if their favorite player is Gibraltar, yeah. then you can't really play Gibraltar. So mm-hmm. it's a good question, but such an impossible question to give a good answer to. We stopped ranking the Legends because we just couldn't do it. It was not fair. It's an unfair to compare a Crypto to a Wraith because they're just so drastically different in every situation. And it's a, it's really tough. You know, so top Legends right now from a pick rate win rate perspective are Horizon and Wraith. And that, I guess, is the closest answer you can get from a data side of things. Yeah. Next question is coming from Johnny Rocket One. I am a Bloodhound main. What things should I focus on to improve my gameplay? Also, do you have any routines to practice aim in the firing range? A B S. Always be scanning as Bloodhound, yep. and always be in the ultimate. Always bathe in the bloat. Um, that's kind of the best advice I can give you. We like to have the Bloodhound when in ult leading the charge, just trying to put out as much damage as possible, rotating back, healing, and then coming back in, all scanning, all scanning during that process. Um, Do you have anything else? I think those are really good, just touching points on Bloodhound. We love them very much. Mm -hmm. We have a Mastering the Legends episode on them that kind of goes deep into the numbers and different strategies uh, that I definitely recommend you check out for some other tips. Um, In terms of routines in the firing range, um, you can spend a lot of time doing stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one that is just good to kind of get you dialed in is to use that R99. Mm-hmm. Just because it's the hardest gun to use in the game. So, you know, using R99 wingman, practicing that strafing, depending mm-hmm. on what, where your skill is at. Um, those are the routines. Um, uh, you don't put gold attachments mm-hmm. on your weapons. Yeah. As someone trying to learn mouse and keyboard right now, I've spent some time in the firing range. And yesterday my routine was, because I didn't feel like playing by myself, but I still kind of wanted to get some shots up so I can stay fresh on the mouse and key because I'm worried if I take a day off, I'm going to fall into a just pit. (laughs) It's already really bad. I'm not very good right now on mouse and key. Uh, But I took every gun and I unloaded 240 bullets in each gun pretty much. Um, Different, obviously, for the semi-automatic ones and such and the snipers and shotguns. But 
very little attachments, only a one times or two times on there. Like put yourself in the least ideal environment while practicing with the guns. And I just mostly shoot either the moving squares that are pretty dang far away or I shoot the uh, bodies themselves. That's my routine at least. Yeah, a lot of people swear by the fact that they warm up. Uh, I don't usually warm up. Yeah. Um, I think that it's kind of hard to do it in a vacuum, especially when you don't know what weapons you're going to use yeah. in game. So I think it's good, especially if you're maybe putting on a control freak or trying a different mm-hmm. uh, console or keyboard, whatever you're doing. Uh, I don't necessarily swear by it. It helps a lot of people though. Next and last question from 145. Love the pod. Found this podcast a couple of weeks ago and had the sub instantly. Wondering which legend is better for an aggressive play style, Wraith or Horizon? Really great question. I think there's a pretty easy, decisive and good answer for, for these I'll mm-hmm. give real quick is I think it's going to depend on your team. And by that, I mean Wraith is going to make your Gibraltar and Caustic into a much more overall aggressive team comp with the process of a portal, while if you're looking for an aggressive, aggressive team comp, the Horizon with the Bloodhound and a Wraith itself or something else, like I think she plays into that kind of aggression individually a lot better. But Wraith kind of brings up the aggression of the team if played well. Yeah, it, it's so hard to answer these binary questions, but yeah. I think we're doing a good job. I think you did a good job, and I'll add that Horizon's kit is more aggressive. Mm-hmm. That ultimate is an offensive ability. Um, I think it's a more aggressive kit. That being said, I think if you want aggression, you want kills, you go with Horizon. If you want to win games and you're just looking at this binary, I would go for Wraith because she has a better ability to get you into that final ring Mm -hmm. with your tactical and ultimate. Horizon doesn't have that same sort of open space traversal but she does have that high ground getting, which does win games. So mm-hmm. I think Horizon's a really good choice, especially if you have somebody that can scan the beacon, that can move the team as well um, to get those wins. But in terms of aggression, I think right now the verdict is in and Horizon is the one. Both fantastic legends right now. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Give us a follow on Spotify. Subscribe on Apple Pods. Leave a five-star review with your question. We'll answer on our next episode. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Third Party Pod. Sub to our YouTube channel, Third Party Podcast, and stop by our weekly stream. Check out the Discord via the link in the description below. Thank you so much for listening to the Third Party Podcast. Peace. Hey now, another squad coming in. Boom, whole squad down. Yeah, brother, not today. Maybe tomorrow.